Welcome to TV7 Israel's podcast. We invite you to listen and share our latest content from Israel and the region. Shalom and welcome back to Watchman Talk, a series of conversations with Israeli military and security experts and practitioners, and our guest for a third consecutive segment of our conversation is Tsuri, retired Major General David Tsur. Welcome back. Thank you. Now, we have talked about uh, your paratroop days and your Yamam days. And it seems as if one of uh, the police commissioners general in the uh, 1970s by the name of Shaul Rosolio, um, backed by the minister of police at that time, now it is called uh, Minister of Public Security, Shlomo Hillel, had a very good plan to uh, make the police a more attractive and better organization by getting uh, officers... Uh, from the military um, in various positions. Some of them were lawyers who were taken on as uh, prosecutors, but then transferred into the regular police. Or people like yourself, who went to Yamam, the most prestigious elite unit in the border guard, and then stayed on and changed their uniforms from the green one of the border guard to the blue one of the regular police, and again, went up through the ranks and became uh, generals. How did that work uh, for you? Uh, Were you, uh, when you were um, in Yamam, um, visioning in any way a career in the blue police? No, no. Actually, in two stations, I uh, kind of uh, decided to leave. Uh, One was in 84, 85, after I finished my platoon uh, commander at the, the Yamam, after coming to two years in Lebanon, which was very uh, tough, and I wanted to go to university. So the commander called me and said, what's the problem? I mean, you stay, go to the university, come back, give another four years, and then uh, you can go. I said, okay, it sounds very good. It was the first time somebody went out from the Yamam to go to university uh, studies. The police... F- funded, funded your education. Founded my uh, my salary. It was great. Okay. So this was the first time. What, did, I came what did you study? Uh, like uh, uh, science. Uh, political science. Political science. After that, I came back and I gave, uh, and then I become the commander. And after being commander of the Yamam, it's like the top. I mean, you you feel that the, you, you, you touch everything. So I wanted uh, to go out. And actually, I went out for a year and a half to uh, Atlanta. On a private. Because, because the only place which is more exciting than Yamam is the Olympics. <laughs> Something like that. Because I, as I told you, I'm, I'm, uh, to, uh, I love sport and uh, I kind of combining the security with uh, sport. So it was great. But there was that terror act during the yeah. Olympics with that guy, Richard Jewell, exactly. who was falsely blamed. Did you have any part in it? Yeah, that? of course. 
Actually, I was also at the beginning thought that the Richard Jew was involved, although I said it's uh, not international uh, terror. terror from the beginning. And uh, after that, uh, you know, the, the task force, the FBI, everybody was on it, put huge amount, hundreds of millions of dollars in, the, in this investigation. And then it was found by a police uh, patrol car in the t- mountains of, uh, I think, Montana. Uh, his name was Rudolf. As uh, Going back to our uh, story, so uh, I left uh, the imam, and uh, actually uh, in a living absence, but for me, I, I even didn't know what it, what it means. I mean, so I was so uh, naive that time. I said, okay, I don't care. Shachal, that time, the minister insisted that it won't be retired. It was really like this. And then Asaf Hefetz came to the Olympic Games. Now, Asaf Hefetz, the former power troop officer, who uh, was the real founder um, mm-hmm. of, of Yamam, went on to the Blue uh, Police and became commissioner, commissioner general. Exactly. And that time he was the commissioner. He came and said, uh, why, uh, wh- why you want to go now out? You are young. Come back and be a sub-district commander. And for me, being a sub-district commander of the police was kind of a really a hard decision. And I, get a, I got a very time, uh, good time... Uh, in, in, in the state, and also uh, got a lot of offers to stay for business now, with a lot sub, of money. Sub-district was your rank, Colonel. Exactly. So, but my wife at that time, Linda, Linda decided that uh, she didn't immigrate from uh, Germany to live in the States. So she wanted, very, she insisted to come back to Israel, and actually uh, we decided to come back to Israel. And I went to be, uh, and I, I said, okay, look, uh, what is it? And... My first day as a sub-district commander in Shvela, which is the area of Rehovot, but it's controlling Ramle, Lud. To let our listeners picture it, these are the uh, plain uh, cities and towns in a periphery around Tel Aviv. Exactly. And it was two main uh, uh, cities which they have a mixed minority of Arabs uh, very violent uh, cri- uh, criminal gangs, a uh, lot of drugs. Ramle and Lod. Ramle and Lod. And it was the first day in my position, when I look at my uh, uniform, I thought I had a costume. I have a costume, uh, but uh, I, I, I realized that I'm the commander. So the first day at the evening was Shavuot evening. What was Pentecost. Uh, and it was uh, the, the, the holy dinner. I was staying at my parents' uh, home, and I got the phone call. I, I uh, took the phone, and there was a, su- a suicide, not suicide, it was a, a, a assassination in one of the two families, Jerushim, with uh, other family from Lud. And from that point... You, you call it family. Actually, it's a clan, Hamula. Yeah, it's a big clan. Uh, and in this clan, they have a very uh, bad people, let's say. But they have also very good people till today, which I'm very good f- friendly with them. But from that point, for two years, which I was commanding in the, this sub-district, I had a very uh, interesting uh, journey on uh, trying to solve one of the main uh, problems in the center of uh, Israel. But, but how this, is, this goes to, to the cultural tradition, which we uh, see even today. Um, there is blood vengeance. If you have one murder, you will have another one, a cycle of violence. How can you cut it? It's very, very uh, difficult. And uh, you mentioned the culture and everything, which I faced it, and it's still today. And it's very important for us to understand it. 
in what's happening now in the south, and I faced it a few times. After Bedouins in the Negev. Exactly. When I was the general for the border guard police, I saw how difficult for them is when you put a barrier, when you put a border between Israel and Egypt, for them, what is this fence? I mean, what this, is that border? Again, these are nomadic tribes. Israel tried to build towns for them with permanent housing, but uh, sometimes it is <coughs> against their traditions. Sometimes they have four wives and dozens of children. This is one of the issues. The second issue is they don't believe in the borders because they have families on the other side in Egypt, which for decades they're going and coming. And for them, it's not smuggling, it's moving uh, it uh, transformation of drugs, of uh, goods, etc. But, and also the blood revenge for, for years. I mean, it's like the Bible uh, amendment. But for us, in the criminal law, it's not, uh, it's not uh, accepted. So this conflict sometimes came to uh, culture issues, sometimes in the domestic violence, let's say. We saw, I saw so many cases. The authority of the husband. Yeah, I saw so many tragic cases, like uh, young uh, girls, 12, 13, 14, who have been slaughtered because they just use SMS with some of the boys or something like that. Something which is amazing. We have one of the families in uh, Ramle and uh, also in uh, Lut, which I think this is the third generation of uh, women who have been slaughtered because of uh, what they call the honor of the family. So the domestic violence is so... this so is the Romeo and Juliet, but with a very tragic uh, continuity, not even, only the end. Even don't use this kind of a term. I mean, for me, it's, they're criminals. It's not, a, it's not an issue. So comforting with this violence, which has been part of the culture, of course, I'm not saying for everyone, the gangs. And then there is also... In, in some of the places, uh, when I was the chief of police in Tel Aviv, later uh, on the years, so I saw it in Jaffa, let's say. Jaffa is a very good example for uh, living together. And uh, the markets and the very... Uh, coexistence. Romantic, the coexistence between those... Uh, it, and also in Ramle and Lud. For me, it was kind of a very uh, disappointing when I saw in Lud what's but, happening. But, but, uh, there is, but there is a difference between the uh, agrarian or nomadic lifestyle of the Bedouins who do not agree with the concept mm -hmm. of the nation state and some of the nationalistic and religious impulses of people, Arabs, who live in Lod and Ramle or exactly. Jaffa. Exactly, exactly. In, in the incitement and the penetration of religion and also uh, nationality in, in into those... Uh, Communities. communities is quite a very different uh, ball today to what's happening. And I think it's a lose-lose for both. I mean, for the community of the Arabs and the community in our community. One, one so it's claim. not only a police role, and that's what I maybe I just to do, mm -hmm. because everybody now is speaking about how can we stop it? And there is, of course, it's, it's a long journey. It's not only being, uh, you know, doing operation and taking a few guns or uh, even hundreds of uh, guns. It's government investments, welfare, education. Exactly. Pol police only have to come and, and mop up after police everybody Police have to else. fight against the gangs. This is the main failure of the police fighting against the Arab gangs because we did a very good job 
on the Israeli uh, families, the criminal families, Rosenstein, Abarjil, Abutbul, all those big families. The Israeli mafia. Israeli mafia were eliminated. Why? I mean, it's because of good intelligence, good operation, etc. And it was decision which was taken from 2003 after the explosive in, uh, in Tel Aviv, in Tel Aviv, in Ben Yehuda. So that time it was a decision to do priority and to go on the on those families. And but it's not a, it, today. There is a decision of that to do it under Arab society. You mentioned intelligence, and of course, um, operations without intelligence. Uh, Uh, is impossible. But there is another aspect to intelligence, at least this is what some of the Arab community leaders claim. They say that some of the intelligence assets who were in Judea and Samaria and Gaza, agents of the Shin Bet, of Shabak, uh, were then taken into Israel because they would have been assassinated by their neighbors. They were placed in such communities and they have immunity from police, and they become criminals and, and uh, take part in these activities. Well, I'm, I'm familiar with that uh, claim. Uh, actually, I told you about Jerushi Karaja uh, when I was the sub-district commander. It's a long story. We need a different session for that, but it's, it's fascinating because I use my um, expertise as a Yamam and also my connection with Ariel Sharon that time. And, and he gave me almost a carte blanche with money to do the, to, se- to uh, separate them. Okay, so I took 52 of the families and actually uh, exiled, them. exiled them to different places. And actually we, we solved the problem in Ramle. They didn't come back? No, till today. But one of the things where I'm, I'm telling this story, because one of the things was that the, the guy was in charge for the housing, public housing, etc. He said that time, okay, what we're going to do with those 52 very nice houses, each house is like three or four floors. I said to eliminate them. And also the mayor of Ramle at that time, Yoel Avi, was with me. A, a retired colonel. Yeah, and Arik Sharon was the, the one to decide. And then uh, the guy who was uh, uh, for the uh, public housing said, we need to, to use them for these rehabilitators, uh, informers, etc., and to put them there. So I said, no way, because once you do that, I mean, it's going to be another problem. Uh, you mix them. Exactly. I'm, I'm, so, I'm glad that Tariq Sharon said, okay, drop and, the and, houses. And one may mention that uh, uh, the late Prime Minister Ariel Sharon was very fond of you uh, for various reasons. And uh, he wanted you to become police commissioner general, but uh, tragically you were involved in, in uh, trying to treat your, your wife, Linda, who was at that time very ill. Yeah. So, so you were passed over and then a few years later you retired. So you became, uh, after that experience, the uh, commanding officer of the uh, border patrol, mm-hmm. uh, which is really a staff position. You were not in charge of a division, even though uh, if you look at the, the manpower, uh, some 10,000 um, officers, this is the equivalent of one or perhaps even two divisions. But you were basically only the advisor to district commissioners and to the military. In my uh, view, in my opinion, 
uh, I didn't look it like this. And uh, because I came all my career from commanding, so even that formally, that position is to uh, force build up and uh, to, to bring the, the, the people to be Train ready. and equip. Exactly. Which I found it as a very important uh, role of the general of the border guard police. I took responsibility from Arik Sharon that time because he was, I think, personally he had the confidence on me. It was against the opinion of the commissioner. I was really in confrontation with him because I thought this is a policing uh, duty on the south. With the border with Egypt, it's not a hostile border uh, generally. After the peace with After it. the peace with, of course. It's like the same in Jordan. And I don't think the military have a, a benefit on the border guard police. And this, the is, contrary, this, is why, this is why the border patrol was established in the 1950s. Exactly. On the contrary, because the police, uh, the police duties there, because it's smuggling drugs, the weapons, etc. The military can stay the, the in charge. So we took the responsibility. And I actually try to say it to, to my colonels, to my officers all the time. Don't look at yourself as somebody who's serving. Uh, take the responsibility. I think responsibility is something to be taken, not to be given. So in my opinion, is uh, when I was that uh, that time the commander of the, the the general of the border guard police, we took the responsibility of this border. Unfortunately, when I became the chief of Tel Aviv, my the guy who replaced me actually gave back this responsibility to his uh, Fares yes. to Fares. Yes. Actually, uh, that time the military left. Uh, um, we have to explain. Hussein Fares, uh, yeah. a Druze officer the first Druze commander of the border patrol, gave this responsibility to Imad Fares, exactly. who was the military division commander. Because the military shift from Gaza, so they, they had a kind of a, a full a brigade or more that it wasn't uh, occupied. So they said, okay, we're going to take back the responsibility. They were underemployed. Uh, kind of. So in a way, again, the military stepped in, and I think it's, it's wrong because uh, till today... The, this mission is 90% criminal and 10% maybe is security. And, and I must mention Gabi Ashkenazi and uh, Doron Almog that time. The, the general, command, commanding general of the southern and, front. And Gabi was that time the deputy for the chief. chief. And they put a lot of money on, on putting the border guard police there. So this I gave you as an example. And the second example is the uh, surrounding Jerusalem uh, headquarters. So in Jerusalem, surround, the, the surrounding, which is after the fence was built, okay? Sort of a belt around Jerusalem. Exactly. The headquarters and every, the, the, the forces are directly in charge. It's not by the uh, chief of uh, the, the, the district commander of uh, Jerusalem. Well, actually, it's, it's not really around Jerusalem because the western uh, side of Jerusalem... Uh, is the road to yeah. Tel Aviv. Yeah. But the eastern and northern and southern... Exactly. Um, Ramallah at the north, Bethlehem west, on the west south. West Bank. Yeah. Now, um, the difference between the military and uh, the police or the uh, border patrol, one of the differences, is that the military works in large formations. Um, it has battalions, brigades, divisions, and even corps and, and more. While um, in the uh, border patrol, you specialize, as you said about the Yamam, people serve there for many years. They don't just 
um, get drafted, uh, serve mm -hmm. three years or less, and, mm -hmm. and are discharged. But uh, the police, including the Border Patrol, uh, you, if I may, or they, know how to live with civilians. Um, so how do you, do you uh, find the right mix yeah. within Israel between the various forces which make up the defense and security establishment? Okay. Maybe it's even uh, touching this point a, a little uh, even uh, larger. You mentioned before in 74 when there was a decision to make uh, the, uh, this div the, the division of labor. Yeah, exactly. So what's happening, what's happening in, during the years that the police became more and more as it's more attractive also to be kind of a protective of the, of the public on the security issues, on uh, roadblocks, on, and, and they become semi-military police, okay? Which is, this is why the border guard police became bigger and bigger. And is, that, is that a positive development? No, in my opinion, it's not. Because that's why I think we have to, because it's coming on, on, on a, in a, a shortcoming of the service of the public. Yuda Vilk, during the, when he was the commissioner during the late 90s, he made the shifting. He moved uh, some of the... Uh, border patrol. Border patrol into the cities and also took some of the positions and shifted them to a police, uh, like uh, uh, investigators, intelligence uh, people, etc. Why is that? Because there was a shortage of manpower and budget and you wanted to exploit exactly. this resource. Exactly. And he said, we, the first thing is to serve the public because as we see today, the military is using the border guard police for their uh, uh, missions in, uh, in the borders and also in Jada Because they have to train for war elsewhere. Exactly. In Jada and Shomeria, there is a huge amount of uh, border police. And in Jer East Jerusalem, to do the patrolling and the, the frequency, the, the very fre uh, the friction with the, the, the public, with the, the uh, Arab public, is, is something which is... The border guard police knows how to but do it. East Jerusalem, which was annexed, is sovereign Israel, exactly. and there is no military there. Exactly. But when you're talking about Jalan Shomeria, the border guard police, I, I, when I was the general at uh, that time, every uh, uh, brigadier, uh, uh, the brigade uh, commander was, <coughs> was telling me, look, in the, instead of bringing me a reserve of the army, give me one platoon of the border guard police, and I'm, I'm satisfied. So because they are very efficient, this, uh, but talking about the police, and especially what's happening now with the uh, violence in the Arab uh, society, so the police is very shortcoming in the execution daily day on the policing and also on the services, because one, we are very weak as a police, given the daily day police uh, policing uh, services. So by so the you, years... So you see, what, what you're describing is and I'm being simplistic. The police became a second-class army. Within the police, those units um, which are supposed to protect and serve the public, not security-wise, but day-to-day -day life, this is second-class police. Exactly. The Arabs of Israel are second-class citizens. So you have second-class <laughs> taking care of second-class. This is very simple way to, to see it, of course, but I'm saying it that during the years, you see that it became more and more uh, prestige to be part of the, 
the, those special units, etc. But the daily day is not there. So that's why I'm saying, I think the fact that we, as we came from those special units, special operations, with all the modest, we, I think we made the police even better because if you look at the uh, generals, most of them came either from the bodyguard police or came from the imam, a lot. So it's very important for the police to grow up from the from bottom up police officers because policing it, it, it's a professional. The current uh, commissioner general, uh, Kobi Shabtai, uh, did not make it uh, into Yamam. He tried and uh, other people were accepted, uh, to put it uh, lightly. But he did go to the uh, border. Uh, Actually, I was there. And it was in my shift uh, as a, not as a commander. And I'm not saying it uh, because I'm uh, now saying it. I said it that time. Actually, it was a very good and impressed us that time. The issue was that he wasn't good enough on shooting, technically. And we didn't have the time to, uh, to train him. To train him, because we had to run. So the, of- the training officers were coming every time to me and said, look, we, we don't recommend that he will uh, maintain. I thought he had something even more. Than, uh, than only shooting, because shooting is a technical He was issue. a company commander in the paratroops. Exactly, and I saw his, uh, he had a very good uh, motiv- but, high, but high he motivation. But he made up for it because he's shooting every time uh, now, he has yeah. an occasion. But uh, that time he was uh, less. And then I, I insist not to uh, give him up, not to give up. And then it came to a point that we had to go to the, to the commander, Alik, that time. My opinion was, leave him. I think we have to uh, insist on him because I think he have a potential being a, a very good uh, team leader, commander, etc. Alec, uh, the end, said, look, all the training uh, officers saying that. So I called Kobe and I, I took the, the position of being the guy to tell him that he's... Uh, the bad news. But I think at that time I sent him to be at the camouflage unit, Yamas. And I think for his career... It was even better. Uh, Suri, uh, Major General uh, David Suri, uh, nearing um, the end, um, in 20 seconds um, or so, you were also a member of Knesset, and in that position, you supervised from the political echelon the police and uh, other forces. Um, again, in 10 words or so, is Israel being served well by these organizations? Well, I think in general, yeah, I think we are very professional in some of the things. We have a long way to do in the services, uh, uh, the regular services. And if we talked about politicians, I think uh, the, there is a time that uh, the politician will take a decision of different priorities than we uh, all the time uh, we, we saw it. And taking the police and uh, those services, like the health uh, services and to to decide that after 70 years and more that we are as a, as a country established a country we need to uh, to focus on uh, the services and not only how to protect ourselves from Iran and this is a very important thing interesting and uh, informative uh, insights and we should remember that uh, police and politics come from the same root Suri, David Sur, retired Major General, but not so retired, still uh, very much uh, in the know. 
Thank you very much for Thank coming you. to Watchmen Talk. Thank you. It was a pleasure. Thank you for joining us in another TV7 Israel podcast. For more content, visit our website at tv7israelnews.com or follow us on social media.